Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reading All About Love by Stephanie Lawrence. This book was published in 2001 and is number six in the Sinster series. And our subtitle is Batshit Murder Mystery. That's right. So this is another mystery. You might remember that, well, a lot of them have mysteries in them. Actually, them. I guess. not all of them have like the same mystery from first page to last page. Yes. But I think all of them have a mystery in them somewhere. Yes. I think this is the first that's really that she really tried to do like a murder mystery. Um, I would point you to Devil's Bride, which also begins with them finding someone dying. I mean, yes, but I feel like I feel like this one is like the more traditional murder mystery. And sure. that one is more just totally wacko. <laughs> right, like in this one, there are suspects and an investigation. Right, exactly. You could sort of imagine an Agatha Christie style, let's all sit down in the drawing room and talk about it. I would not go that far. Does not happen. Right, no. But almost. Sure. (laughs) Well, let's let's get straight into the jacket. Lucifer Sinster has sworn never to pledge his heart, but fate has other plans. The last unwed sinster, Elasdair, known as Lucifer, has escaped to Devon one step ahead of London's matchmaking mamas. Yet despite his dedication to avoiding the parson's mousetrap, the irresistible... Okay, I'm going to go with Felita. I was thinking Philida, but it doesn't Philida, okay. (laughs) Philida Talent, a willful, independent beauty, brings all his masterful, sinister instincts rioting to the fore. Initially, Lucifer tries to suppress the desire Philida evokes, but fate intervenes, leaving him facing the ultimate challenge for a sinister, wooing a reluctant bride. Her wit, charm, and beauty have garnered Philida a bevy of suitors, but not one has tempted her the way Lucifer does. His offer to teach her all about love is almost too tantalizing to refuse. And although she has not yet surrendered completely, Philida knows only a fool resists a determined sinister. And Philida is certainly no one's fool. <laughs> this is so bad. That is honestly... It doesn't... It doesn't mention the murder at all. It doesn't mention the murder. It doesn't mention the mystery. Oh my and God. she also, Philida, like, has never heard of the Sinsters. None so, of her behaviors are a reaction to, like, knowing the Sinster men. She literally gets told in the last chapter that he's the cousin of a duke because she yeah. had no idea. She had no, she had no idea. Oh, my God. This, this is a really terrible jacket that still manages to get across something what you're going to get. You know what? But I I wouldn't say it captures, like we talk about capturing the spirit is more important than capturing the accuracy. The thing is, while this jacket maybe gets the spirit, there's not a single single accurate detail in here other than their names and that he's running away from marriage. That's so true. So like at a certain point, you do need some facts. Okay, let's, let's see what our summaries were. So this episode the random number we generated was five 
let's see what you get from our five letter, five letter, five word summaries and see, you know, how it compares. So take it away, Lane. Corpse adjacent caress and millinery. You know, this, this takes me back. This really does take me back to Devil's Bride. <laughs> yup. Oh. All right, here's And what was mine. yours? Marriage? Nah. Oh, hi, Philida. <laughs> this takes me back to uh, whatever Vane's book was called. Yeah, what was that book called? I don't know. It was Vane's book. It was the second one. Um, yeah. Batch it with something. <laughs> yeah, it does. This book reminds me a lot of Vane's book, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Start, it starts almost literally the same way, which is um, in this book, Lucifer is trying to get away from matchmaking mamas. And so uh-huh. he he's like, oh, I'm going to go visit this older friend of mine. And so he mm-hmm. drives to this small town in the middle of nowhere to visit his friend, which is almost exactly how Vane starts, except that Vane is trying to get away from a storm as well as the matchmaking mamas. Right. No and his he doesn't decide to see the elder relative friend. That's just the closest house of somebody he knows while he's trying to flee. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it's also not love at first sight of her ass. No, it's not love at first sight of her ass. It's love at its first cheek caress. While he's concussed. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's be honest. This book has probably the most batshit beginning. And these books all have batshit beginnings. It's up there. Yeah, this one ranks. I mean, it's, so, tropes. It's a sinister, so you got a big, crazy family. You've got a, there's, you've got a beautiful, really attractive, really sought after young woman who is somehow also a spinster. But she has six people who want to marry her. At least, yeah. She's got. Six she is proposed to. Yeah. So many times. Mhm. Mhm. She's the. She's the. Basically, she seems to be the only eligible young woman in town, and so all the all the men in town want to marry her. At least the only eligible young woman in town above, like, the peasant class. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And she's, yeah, her father is the chief magistrate. And yes. unlike the direction most of these books seem to go when this is the plot, he's competent and capable. Yes. But somehow Philida still runs the town. The, the thing that cracks me up about this is that she's been leading the town apparently for 12 years, which means she's been leading the town since she was 12 years old. Correct. So she was a preteen. But like, what was her father doing? Because he's not an idiot. He's respected. He seems to be a functioning magistrate. So why is his daughter putting on breeches and going to read the legal town smuggling ring? Oh, my God. It's so stupid. So there's that part. But I I guess she's like the town hostess or something. Yeah. And like, here's the thing. If what she meant by running the town was acting as like first lady for her father since the age of 12 and thereby like ingratiating herself into society, I could buy that. Yes. But the fact that she's also like in charge of the business affairs. (laughs) Yes. She's she's the one basically single-handedly 
running the uh, taking excuse me taking charge of the economy of the town and making yeah. sure that the the men of the town don't do anything terrible like wrecking boats offshore and then taking their cargo and that the women come to her when they have problems like personal effects being accidentally sold yeah oh god yes mm-hmm. this is that's the this is the part of the book that i hated the most okay well oh yeah talk about that but absolutely the worst part there is so much hurt comfort i don't even know where to start there's yes he gets like okay we'll get the opening scene he gets hurt and she has to comfort him and then later she gets hurt several times and he has to comfort her so yes there's a lot of caring for the other person while they're invalidish in bed so the temptation that lures lucifer i can't to this small town is a discovery of a lifetime Mm -hmm. but he doesn't know what it is he doesn't know what it is and i think that's less of a romance trope and more of a literary trope Mm -hmm. but lucifer and horatio are both collectors what does that mean good question do they collect the same things no they do not why this is relevant who knows but so Horatio, for some reason, calls Lucifer and says, I think I found this big deal thing. I need you to come see it. Lucifer gets there. Horatio's dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's um, how the book starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I just, I've decided this is a trope only for the censors. Okay. The villain dies in the end. So In so, every yeah. censor novel, they have, like, a means of legitimately arresting and trying the person. Like, there's no need for, and no plan for these people to die. And the sisters never set out with a plan of murdering them, except they, every time they die. They, they <laughs> die, yeah. And it, the, the romance trip would be the bad guy gets what he deserves in the end, right? Sure. But, but like, the, the amount of... Trope, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The sister trope it, is they die. Fortuitous death. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's like serendipitous as well, because it's not, they weren't planning on killing anyone. It just, just happens. And like, no one made any decisions, but as you always say, at the very least, there doesn't need to be a trial involving the family name. Oh my God. It's so ridiculous. They're like, oh, I guess it worked out for the best. And I'm like, dude, someone died. Like, someone died. Several someones. I think my favorite moment of the batshittery of this one is at the end. Phyllida is thinking, you know, we're all gathered together as a town and as crazy as this has been. I mean, the only real difference is Horatio's dead. what the fuck are you talking about like a man died and you found out in the course of the investigation that he's killed two other people yeah yeah and tried to kill a bunch more like this the culture of your small town has been wrecked and she's basically like lost a friend gained a husband yeah she's like you know there there's a silver lining to this and it brought the town together (laughs) what the fuck um Um, she has a governess who's just like a mother yes and this is so this isn't a lot of yeah a lot of romance novels but it's also a lot in the sinsters and they all have the same names sort of because Mm -hmm. in this one it's sweetie when it's miss sweet but they call her sweetie and in remember in vane's book it was um um, tim's and they Mm -hmm. they called her timmy or maybe and there's aunt minnie minerva minnie anyway it's just I think what it is, 
overall in the romance genre is obviously most people back in that era were not treating their servants like family. Yeah. But I think by having a servant who is like a family member, you're making a giant statement about that person's like open-mindedness and caring heart without having to actually write it into the plot. Yes. Yes, I agree. And it gives you a confidant who's constantly present. So you don't have to like write or develop real relationships outside of the home. Yeah. They, and she can just explain all of her innermost feelings. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great opportunity for expository dialogue. Yes. Without any relationship building. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Uh, and then I think the last trope we identify, we'll probably identify a, a few more as we go through, but we, we have that do. she's, you know, she's, she's got hidden depths. She's not just the, t- the hostess for the town, as we said, but she's good with business and single, single handedly keeping the economy afloat. But I think the, all, the other element of this trope specifically with the sinsters is she's good with business in a way that he views her as a potential partner in his business endeavors. Yes. So like, Flick and whoever, I forget his name. Demon. Demon. Like, both love horses, and so she can help him raise horses. Like, they made a big deal in Scandal's book that him and Katrina, yeah. or Katrina, like, he brings sensibilities to the veil that it didn't yeah. have before, and she provides him with land and purpose in a way he didn't have before. Yeah. Like, it seems like, with the exception, honestly, of Honoria, most of the Sinster Brides have been, like, the missing piece, not just in their like personal growth and love life, but like the missing piece in their business functions. Oh, but it was the same for Anaria too, because she was perfectly groomed to be a duchess. Remember? <gasps> oh, right. So he doesn't have businesses. He's a duke and she's a perfect, you're right. You're totally right. So I think you're right. And it's like totally matches. So I like, yeah, it. it's like, it's another way of showing they're perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. Like a woman's competence can't just be, she's competent. It has to be a man's missing piece. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And the men are always her missing piece, too. So whatever. Oh, but basically what she needs is someone to control her and tame her a little. Yeah. So that she doesn't run around and get into crazy, you know, what's situations. I but. do want to put out there right off the bat that I am grateful we're not reading about another 18 year old. Oh, yeah. But uh, OK, I, as I get older, the younger they feel. So yeah. I, I'm sure the first time I read this, I was like, oh, 24. Yeah, that's all. I mean, I, I was 24 when I got married. So I'm sure I was like, oh, yeah, 24. It's totally mature and everything. And I was like, oh, she's 24. <laughs> but he's, what, 29? Yeah. So this one's like, I was just grateful we were reading about a reasonable age gap with, like, a character who was not an actual child still, yeah. like, in the care of... A guardian. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. I I agree. And while I would say that their their ages were appropriate, they were an age appropriate couple. Well, and like Philida, while she's hopelessly naive about running off into danger, I don't think she felt younger than she was written. She felt twenty four. Yeah. Yeah, she did, and it, it made sense that she would feel super comfortable doing what she was doing. Because her father was the magistrate of the village. Like, probably yeah. her whole life, she she could go anywhere she wanted, and people were going to leave her alone, you know? Right, right, right. So, um, so right. how did this book start, Lane? 
So as we mentioned, Lucifer Sinster has decided that F it, the marriage curse isn't going to get him too. No. <laughs> so he... Wait, wait. Uh, the only difference that I hear between this and all the other books is the name Lucifer. Because the rest of it is the same. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> so he runs off to meet an old friend who has a house in the country. And his first thought upon arriving is, I can tell from looking at this town that there aren't widows or unhappy wives. Guess I'm going to be abstinent. It's so weird. (laughs) He gets to his friend's house because, as we mentioned, he's been summoned by the friend to take a look at some sort of collectible. And he walks in and finds his friend face up with a letter opener in the heart. Yeah, his friend is dead. But he's still warm. So murderer must be still there. While he is hunched over the body, he gets hit in the head with something and concussed. And while he's lying on the ground next to his friend's dead body, he feels mm. the most, the sweetest, most gentle touch on his face. And he knows that it's a virgin angel made just for him. <laughs> Correct. Correct. So said virgin angel is hanging out in the house because a friend of hers had asked her to find letters that were hidden in a piece of furniture that had been sold to Horatio. Yes. The friend. Because Horatio and Lucifer are both antiquarians. So they both collect antique shit. No, but so they're both antiquarians, but Horatio collects books and Lucifer connects Silver jewelry. and jewelry, which yeah. to me is not an antiquarian. Just putting that out there. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe I'm an antiquarian because I also collect jewelry. A lot of it is silver. Yeah, um, I think that's a little different. <laughs> She's there searching for this item for a friend. Yeah. Comes into the room for the second time. So... No, so what happened Because she is, came into the room after Horatio was killed. He so, fell face so, down. Yeah, so what she happened She turned him over, yeah, she heard Lucifer him. coming, and she hid, so ran for it. No, but she hid in the same room. So in she's the been corner. She's in the room when Lucifer right. comes in, finds the body, and then she decides that Lucifer's not the murderer. Why? Good question. Uh, I don't know, but she decides he's not the murderer. So she comes out from wherever she was hiding, but she's so unaware of her surroundings that she clumsy is a character trait yeah but it's like the only time that she's like the rest of the time she's yeah i know so she brushes against this antique halberd which falls and is about to like slice his head off but then she somehow manages to get it to deviate in its course just enough so that it whacks him with the the globe portion of the halberd instead of the the blade portion. So she saves his mm-hmm. life that she put in danger by knocking over the halberd in the first place. But then she hears people coming and she's like, I don't want to get caught here in my pants. Yeah. With these two bodies. So I'm going to go home and change. then come back. Yeah, I'm going to go home, change into a dress and then come back so that I can, in quotation marks, discover these two bodies and then direct through lucifer's innocence in that discovery but as she's fleeing the scene she sees a brown men's hat yeah and she's like oh i should grab that hat 
but then she doesn't, and then she leaves. Do you think this hat might possibly be a clue? Yes. So she then a ton of Deus Ex Machina happens because like she gets back to the house, but she'd forgotten her aunt was coming that day and the aunt delayed her in getting back. So instead he gets found by like as a local innkeeper who also is like a temporary warden of some kind and they drag him off. So there's a hole to do that's they put him in ridiculous. jail. And then mm-hmm. I mean by jail, I mean they put him in the cellar of the tavern. Right. She somehow manages to convince everyone that he's innocent without revealing that she was there. Yeah, I don't know how she does it. I guess it's because she runs the town. And I mean, who who runs the world? Philida. Girls. (laughs) (laughs) So So obviously, um, once she frees him, the only place to take him is back to her house. Yeah. So, of course, she does that. Um, where she assisted nursing him back to health. Yeah, all at all hours of the night and day in her nightgown. Yeah, yeah I mean, because that's what I, I know that's what I do when I knock a man out and too late to save him from being accused to be a murderer, save him from mm-hmm. jail, take him back to my house. I go visit him at like three in the morning in my nightgown. Absolutely. Especially when he's like sort of awake. And like really hot. And really hot. And can pull me into his bed for discussions with the woman who's supposed to be watching him in a chair at the foot of his bed without her noticing. Yeah, sweetie. She's asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they are the most inept detectives that the world has ever seen. Well, I don't know if they're the most inept detectives the world has ever seen because you may remember Vane Sinster couldn't figure out who the fuck was (laughs) stealing shit when it was real. Vane Sinster's book is a mystery of who is committing robbery in this group of people who are all trapped at a house party. Yeah. Lucifer Sinster has to find a murderer based on the population of the town. And to do that, he narrows down a very long list of confusing people that you cannot keep straight and have no personalities to pretty much just... Felidia's suitors and yes, some of their staff. Exactly. Just the dudes who want to marry Felida and one of their secretaries. And um, who are these people? Unclear. What's different about them? Also unclear. Yeah. And the whole time, too, Felida is not admitting that she, that she both knocked him out and saved him. She's not admitting that she was present at the house because she promised Mary Ann, that friend, that she wouldn't t- tell tell him about the letters, and I was like, "This is the absolute stupidest, like it was really, truly awesome. dumbest." Really, and not only is Marianne's behavior really stupid, and the interaction between Marianne and Philip really stupid, but like she, Stephanie Lawrence, plays up these letters. So, like, clearly, the first thought is, "Oh, they're love notes." Yeah. And then the way they talk about it, and Marianne's like, it's so much more than that. Like, at one point, Philida even asks her, like, aren't they just love letters? And she's like, no, it's so much more. And she, and Philida's even contemplating, like, what else could it be? Yeah. I was like, this is literally, the, the initial inception is it's like the 1820s equivalent of sexting. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's actually more interesting. And then it's like, nope, it's just sexting. No, it's just, I mean, it's just very erotic letters, I guess. Boring. Between two people who are planning to get married. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that whole thing was like so stupid. And also, I don't know, the whole thing with the the everything about it just really pissed me off. Like, how hard would it have been for Marianne and to act like a rational friggin' human being? Approach Lucifer and say, "Hey, my dad sold you a piece of furniture. He didn't know it had some personal correspondence of mine in it. Do you mind if I retrieve it?" Yeah, I like. I, I won't like, take anything. Why else. was that so not possible? Exactly. Exactly. You can come with me while I look for it. Like, Mr. Horatio, you bought it last week. Can I get my letters back? You can yeah. watch me do it. Yeah. I mean, Lucifer's like the biggest rake in London. He's not gonna care about some twenty-year-old girl's erotic letters that she wrote to her freaking fiance. But, like, I'm just trying to put this in any other context. If somebody came to me and said, hey, like, at a yard sale, I sold you a bunch of kitchenware. I forgot I left a recipe in, like, my recipe book in one of the pots. Do you mind if you give it to me? I wouldn't think, like, oh, I'm, it's my property now. I'm going to flip through the recipe books and see what it is before I give it back to you. I'd just be like, oh, yeah, I found the book. Here you go. You know, I could be like, oh, we live in D.C. I bet these are state secrets. <laughs> I should check this out before I give it back. Well, I just I don't understand why this had to be a reconnaissance mission. Like, yeah. it's not even like the letters are open. They're in sealed envelopes. She could request them back without anybody having to see what's in them. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it's a total MacGuffin. It's really stupid. Hated it just, it. It's one of, it, I hated that part so much because there was a logical solution. Mm-hmm. And well, no one was using it. And it was so obvious that the secret object was going to be tied up with the letters. Oh, yeah. So obvious. Well, and then the other thing, too, is that it was used in there to show how Phyllida was different from the other girls. Yeah. Right. Because Mary Ann yeah. is so timid and weak that she can't go and retrieve the letters herself. So Phyllida has to do it. And also it made Robert seem like a real, so Robert is Mary Ann's whatever. Betrothed. Betrothed. Intended, excuse me. Cause they're not yeah. betrothed yet. Um, there you go. But it makes him seem really stupid because why couldn't he just go and get it? Why couldn't he go to Lucifer and be like, look, dude, Got some sexy letters in there. You know how it is, man to man. I need them back. You know? The but whole I, thing. That seems like it would be not a big deal at all. Yeah. But this this device, this plot device, is used for so many things. So Phyllida can't admit to Lucifer that she was there. And then he, so he decides early on that he is wants to have sex with her. And he's going to, you know, seduce and her. And marriage, obviously. Obviously, since she's a gently bred virgin. I or, can't. Okay. We're, I okay. have a rant I, there. I know. I know. I know. But she thinks that he's seducing her to get information out of her. And she, On the letters. On the letters. And she likes being seduced. So she kind of goes along with it. But also she doesn't want to go along with it because if she doesn't tell him about the letters, then he's going to, oh no, once she does tell him about the letters, then he's going to stop sexing her up, basically. Oh, uh, another trope. The first time they kiss, it's because she trips into his arms. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just can't, he can't hold back. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of batshit going on in this book. This is all batshit. Oh my God, there's so much. And then, because Phyllida, they think, saw the hat, though they can't be sure that that's why, the murderer starts trying to murder her. Yeah. Yep. And it's all in very weird situations. So, like, the first time, she gets shot at crossing a field. Yeah. 
And then while she's emptying out and changing the bouquets in the church, when she steps out back to dump the water, a bag gets thrown over her head and someone starts to strangle her. Strangle her. That was pretty and then, that was the nastiest. Mm-hmm. She gets lured to a burning building tied up and Lucifer has to go through the like wreckage to barely save her. Yeah. And in that case, she took the hat with her. So the hat gets burnt to a crisp too. Yep. They lose their only piece of evidence. I think my favorite all- part about the hat is that she's going around to like everyone in town asking them about the hat. And all of them are like, have you ever known me to wear a brown hat? <laughs> like, like she was like, I thought it was your hat. She's talking to Lucifer and he's like, I don't wear brown hats. <laughs> well, and except for one of the guys who wears only brown hats. So they have to search his hat closet. I'm not even kidding. Oh, and she almost gets like, that. She almost gets killed there too because she gets. Well, but he's the one who gets struck then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets struck then, but anyway. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and every time. So obviously, when it becomes clear that someone is trying to kill her, her father, her twin, who has no character development at all. And Lu- Lucifer are like, we have to like. She can't be alone. People are trying to kill her. Right. And rather than be like, yes, that is reasonable, she's like, as long as I don't stick to my routine, it's fine. And I know everyone's a suspect, but I'm just going to go up alone with some of these people. Yeah. She's like, I know he's the one who can't be a suspect. But of course, I'm sorry, but if you know Stephanie Lawrence, you know that the one person Philida doesn't suspect is the one who is the murderer. I I hope that we're not giving this away too much for you. Oh, my God. It's the worst. But so, yeah, she's just constantly, like, being killed. And so that gives Lucifer reason to keep her close. But unbeknownst to Lucifer, she's still sneaking into his house at night trying to find the letters. Oh, my so God. So, of course, this leads to an encounter where he finds her in her house unexpectedly, in his house, unexpectedly in the middle of the night. And that's when they decide to have sex. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, so, by the way, he, when she finally does tell him that she's looking for this for this writing desk with letters in it. She doesn't tell him that it's a traveling writing desk, number one. And number two, the only place she doesn't search is where it ends up being, obviously. But I also love that she's like, oh, I'd know it anywhere. I'd recognize it anywhere. Yeah. Um, except that she's been in his bedroom with enough light for her to say all of his tables have various antiques of Horatio, <laughs> and she doesn't notice it. It's so, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's so batshit. It's so batshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So, obviously, the clues start coming together when she's, you know, attempted, when he attempts to burn her down through arson. They find hoof prints that are revealing, were more revealing than the previous hoof prints they found. They have this hat, like several people have seen it even before it's incinerated. Yeah. So, and somehow through observing someone's personality, Lucifer figures out he's been in the military and is able to track down his regiment using only his name, which why was this dude using his real name? Question one. I, yeah. Um, anyway, stupidest criminal of all time. And like the way they know he was in the infantry is the way he takes risks in a certain way when murdering. Yeah, uh-huh, because he sticks to a plan, but if the plan goes awry, he still knows how to deal with it. Basically, they try to make Lucifer out to be Sherlock Holmes in this book, but it fails miserably because none of the clues make sense. 
No, they don't make any sense. And it, it all has to do with like the psychology of being in the military. Yes. And so then um, they all march into the house at the behest of the murderer because he's got a hostage. Mm-hmm. We, I guess who? Sweetie. The mother figure. Uh, at that point, they find the book he was looking for or whatever. They give it to him. Turns out the book didn't have the secret thing anymore. So he tries to run away with a band of smugglers. But wait, unbeknownst to him, all the smugglers are actually legal smugglers that work for Philida. Yeah. And then he throws himself off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he does it on purpose. No, he backs up while confessing because duh. And then... um, the cliff gives way, but like, yes. what other alternative was there? He wasn't going to be able to run through the line. Yeah, I don't know what he was going to do, but anyway. But <laughs> it's so frustrating because then, of course, afterward, the traveling writing desk was in his room all along. They find the letters, and what else could be in there but the Juzex Machina object that started this whole thing? No, what's it called? Chekhov's gun. Yeah. And it's just so frustrating because. Like, every stupid B-plot, like, she can't just be good at business as a character trait or even good at business because it benefits him. She has to be good at business because her business secretly is the linchpin that's going to solve the mystery. Yeah. The only thing that doesn't, the th- the one thing that, like, pissed me off the most was the fact that they, they finally found, like, a solid lead, which is yeah. the, the hoof print of this horse. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy who finds it, he's he's the blacksmith of the village. And he's like, hey. I know these who these um, horseshoes. I make these horseshoes. I put these nails in. I can tell this shoe is going to fall off in the next two weeks. He's going to bring mm-hmm. it to me, and then we'll have our guy. But they don't wait for the guy to bring the horse to them. They're like, you know what we should do instead? Because this is always the smartest thing to do. Let's set up it's a Flick's sting idea, operation. so of course it's genius. <laughs> Let's set up a sting operation during the spring fate, and then you know, keep everyone away from the house. He's going to go in, steal it. We'll know it's him and we'll be done. But of course, unbeknownst to everyone, Sweetie had, Sweetie was feeling too hot and she had to go back to the house. Oh Lord. The number of real headaches and fake headaches that set women up for disaster in this book. <laughs> it's so hilarious. Many. Basically, this is a murder mystery where she, she really tries to lean into like the Agatha Christie, Sherlock Holmes, and it couldn't be worse. Oh, it's terrible. It's like, and I I came around to loving it. Like every stupid part of the mystery. I was like, this is batshit. This makes no logical sense. Why is this your next step? Unclear. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, meanwhile, yes, they're sexing. Exactly. I was going to say, you know, they like set up part of the mystery and then they have sex or yeah, you know, not necessarily sex, but they, whatever they get it on. I mean, they're pretty much having sex by the end. She moves in with him. Oh, by On the way, because yeah. her dad doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, in the yeah. middle of the book, she moves in with him. Yep. Um, this, this my other so favorite thing is that the first time they have sex, he has a pirate sword. Oh my God. I like, For no reason. I, he sleeps I, naked with a pirate sword and he I, cuts like, off her clothes. Okay. Excuse me, Lane. It's a cavalry sword because he was in the cavalry. She calls <laughs> it a pirate sword. Number one. Number two, this is the sex scene that has probably made me laugh the most it was yeah not sexy I think it was supposed to be I don't know like a little bit like d slash s you know because he's like dumb or she's like you know letting like he's like slicing of clothes off or whatever but it just cracked me up 
<laughs> my like, favorite was the part where he cut off her pants buttons. Yes, yes, he could. He has such exquisite control of the sword, and I'm talking about his literal cavalry cavalry sword here, his cavalry saber, that he can just slice off each button. You know, my other favorite is that like virginal Philida, and like I will get to the use of that word in this book. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Um, is making erotic comparisons between his sword and his dick while he's oh, doing this. Oh, yeah. She's like, the sword, the metal one. I'm like, girl, we know his dick isn't cutting your buttons off. <laughs> I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, if yes, he's got a medical problem. And you should get oh, that look. I laughed out loud several times during I that encounter. so hard. And I, I don't know if we're... So we've jumped to sexiness here, obviously. I don't know if I've read too many Lawrence's right now for, for this to be sexy because I did not find it sexy. I just thought it well, was so funny. The location was also interesting, like his dead friend's bed. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, maybe it was Horatio's bed. I don't know if it no, was. It was. Uh, she was in Horatio's room, which Lucifer didn't select. He picked a oh, different okay. one. Well, then there so you go. So she was searching Horatio's bedroom. And then that's where, and then that's the bedroom she takes when she comes to stay with him again. So they fuck in that bed a whole bunch. And like, I know he didn't die in that bed, but like, I don't know about that. Oh my God. All right. Let's, so let's talk about offensiveness. I mean, we've, we've got the same old, same old sister shit, which is that men are the natural leaders of the family and women need a man to make their yeah. lives complete, blah, 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 whatever. At yeah. this point, I'm not even offended by it. I'm just like, I'm reading a Stephanie Lawrence Sincer book. Whatever. I just know what it's in there, you know? <sighs> that said, he has a weird obsession with her virginity. Yeah. That goes beyond what's happened in the other books. Yeah. And when you yeah. would think, I mean, we just read Flick and Demon where he's obsessed with her innocence. Right. But this but in is, this case, it's explicitly her virginity. Yeah. That, like, watching her walk, he's like, she's so seductive and yet a virgin can't have her. And then in her behavior, he's, like, so co- capable, so competent, running this town, but a virgin. It doesn't matter what the context is. <laughs> I guarantee you, if I counted out the number of times a virgin was used as an adjective to describe her before, prior to them having sex, clearly, it would be over 30. Yeah. It didn't matter if it was relevant or not. It didn't matter what he was admiring about her. That had to be included on the list of adjectives. Yes. It's like, first of all, and my text to Meg in like chapter two, because it had already happened so many times at that point, was I would give fucking anything for this 24 year old who runs the business of the town, has all these suitors to not be a virgin. Like, I would have loved to see it subverted because like, he doesn't know anything about her. Like he's using the words virginal when the only thing he knows about her is that she's touched his face twice. Yeah, I love that. I, I have to admit, I just love the face touching shit. It's so funny. Talk about bat shit. Oh God. And then don't worry. She like doubts he could possibly know her just from her touch. But then later when he touches her face, she's like, oh, I totally get it. Which what? what they solve the mystery of like who the other person is and the fact that they were in the room he figures out she was in the room with him because of how she touches his face yeah yeah can't yeah it was like the can't of her angel touch all right so in case you guys are wondering why lane was so hung up on this this was this word was used four times in one chapter like within as an adjective for her within like 13 pages they used it five 
different times. So that would be. Yeah. And then they don't use it again until she was, she may have been innocent, naive, a virgin, but she'd overheard enough over the years. <laughs> it was oh. ridiculous. And he still, even after they have sex, he reflects back on her virginity when they met. Yeah. How is that relevant? Oh my God. It pissed me off so much. It's, it's pretty annoying. And I mean, this is a sister book, which is, you know, we, we know they're all going to marry a virgin. Oh, right. Um, so even expecting it, it still was annoying. Yes. Like we said, Demon might have been obsessed with Flick's innocence, but it wasn't like watching her virgin body walk in pants. <laughs> <laughs> I have to daddy. say, too, this book does not explain why his name is Lucifer. No, but we lost that in the last book, too. Gabriel doesn't have a reason either. Yeah, I mean, it's just because they're brothers and they're both good looking, I guess. And that's, they that's, are interesting to women. Unclear. Yeah, um, it's very unclear, which is it's disappointing because the other books, well, not all of them, but the other books explained sort of. You know, I like I it mean, better when they have an explanation. Scandal, vain, and devil all definitely have reasons. Yeah. I, I have to say my I did love, though, when so he has been knocked unconscious. He hasn't been able to talk. He hasn't been able to introduce himself. He's now undergoing some hurt comfort at Philida's house in the middle yep. of the night. She goes into his room and she's like, what's your name? And he's like, Lucifer. And she's like, very funny. What's your actual name? And he refuses to tell her. He's like, my name is Lucifer. I think this is the second or third one where one of the men has been maimed and they call out for their cousins in their delirium, like email or call this person yeah. and whoever they're telling that to thinks they're delirious. Yes. Let's and they're see. like, you were yelling out for the devil. So like you weren't saying he's like, devil's my cousin. Yes. I yeah, was saying like, what's your name says Lucifer. And she's like, okay, now tell me your real name, please. I told you <laughs> Lucifer, you know, there are many who would tell you it suits me. If you ask anyone in the town for Lucifer, they'll instantly send you to me. I mean, this is all fine, but explain, True. please tell me why. Um, in case you were wondering about like Lucifer's, Lucifer's personality and like unique characteristics amongst the censor, um, he has black hair and blue eyes. Black hair, blue eyes, and is an antiquarian. And if he wears dark blue coats, his hair looks jet black. Yeah. And his eyes look That's even That's mentioned so many times. <laughs> okay, I will say, though, this book, I kind of love the epilogue. It's a, just a family reunion? It's a family reunion. It's literally a family reunion. So it's like, and it's also, it's basically like, okay, so Devil got married in, I don't know, 1821. I'm just, I don't know when he got married. 1821. Now it's 1822. And it's like a year has gone by. You know, it's yeah. maybe a year or two years. Two. It's two. Honoree, the first line of the epilogue is, who would have known that in two years? There you which go. also, for the record, it's only been two years since Tali was savagely murdered by his yes. brother. Yeah. And like the family does not think or talk about it. No, they do think about it. And so in the epilogue, but like, I'm not saying it appears in the epilogue, but it made me realize like the absence of it from the last five books. And my favorite part like, is they were like, oh, we really miss Tolly. And then someone was like, yeah, we even miss Charles. And I'm like, Charles murdered Tolly, guys. Tolly. <laughs> 
Oh my God, it was so. Although Tolly and even Charles had not been forgotten. <laughs> family, like all great families, had moved on. It was so bad shit. Um, did anything else about this book offend you? Besides the Charles thing, no. Uh, well, we already talked about we already talked about Phyllida, like just running into danger. So she needs to get she needs men to take care of her because she's just so reckless. And I will say she yeah. was really stupid. Like they so we didn't mention this, but they lost the hat. So they lost the hat, and then they found the hat. And she's been taking the hat all around town saying, is this your hat? Do you know whose hat this is? Hey, do you recognize this hat? And then one day she gets a letter from a housemaid saying, I heard you were talking about that hat. Come meet me in this abandoned cottage with the hat and I'll tell you whose it is. And I was like, really, Philida? Like that was so mind-bogglingly stupid. Also, don't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. It was it was hilariously transparent, and she missed it entirely for plot I mean, this, reasons. This is like literally too stupid to live because she was being lured to her death. Yeah, this and she literal... didn't notice it, and she yeah. also like didn't wait the fifteen minutes for Lucifer to come back, even though she knew she he was coming home. It makes no sense. Yeah, there's yeah. She's like, I thought I would miss the housemaid, and oh whatever. I mean, it was it was so all that stuff was absolutely really offensive. But again, it's like very sensory. So I, I was like, whatever. I knew what I was getting into when I picked this book up. This is like Vane's book too, though, where like the cast of supporting characters is too big. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on. And especially the denouement of this one is like Vane's was all of the characters who weren't guilty stuck in the house with the character who was guilty. This yeah. is exactly the same. And you have to keep track of all these characters. And it's like Stephanie Lawrence you can't pull off Agatha Christie. That's the thing. And like recently, yeah. Lane and I have been reading some other mysteries as well. And the mystery novels have to have, you have to have a ton of different suspects, a ton of different characters. And if you're a good mystery writer, you can pull it off. They, they, they're not going to be fully fleshed out characters, but they're going to be right. enough that you can, you can be like, oh yeah, that's this guy. And this is his motivation. And this is what he wants, you know? And in this book, the, the only motivation any of these people had was to marry Phyllida. Yeah. And since everyone was to marry Phyllida anyway, like, you know, I don't know. It was, it's just, she's just not good enough to do it. It's ridiculous. (sighs) All right. So, um, sexiness. I, I already talked about this. I did not find this book very sexy, sadly. I think it was explicit. It was, it's extremely explicit. Maybe, honestly, maybe if we haven't been, we hadn't been reading these books for the the past few months and like I spaced it out more, I would have found it sexier. I do think they only have sex in beds. Mm hmm. But they because, do have like a very hot and heavy makeout in the shrubbery. Yeah, they, they make out in other in like the woods in the shrubbery. But he catches her trying to like find the letters. They have sex. And then pretty much immediately she moves in with him she, like, for her own protection. Yeah, yeah. And they just like sneak into each other's bedrooms at night. And so I think not quite to the level. I actually thought the sex in this one was better than the, in A Secret Love. Mm-hmm. Because that's the one where I complained about it being really formulaic. Yeah. 
like mouth, boobs, sex, cool. Um, this one, like there was a little more variety, but I think the characters were so poorly developed mm. and had nothing going on other than being sinsters and sinster wives. Yeah. Sinster, sinster wives. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. That, That's really good. Lane. I it, love it. It was just, it wasn't creative with the exception of the sword. It couldn't be batshit. And yeah. I wasn't into the characters. So while it was explicit and therefore probably objectively sexy, and if we weren't kind of censored out, I think we'd be giving it a little more praise. I ultimately think it doesn't have the insanity, the uniqueness, or the character development to take something to a really sexy place for us. Yeah, yeah, possibly. So I don't know. I mean, if you're listening to this, you can totally disagree with us and think this is the sexiest book ever. Uh, I think it may have been when we were reading it. I don't know. But I I didn't find it sexy. I found it batshit again, though. Like, I I was, this kind of felt like a return to form for me. me. Like, A Secret Love was entertaining in its own way, but it really wasn't that batshit. No, which is, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this, this is not sexy, and the characters are super poorly developed, and they really, they literally have no character traits at all between the two of them. But it is absolutely insane, and this mystery makes no sense. So I recommend this book. <laughs> this book is it's really batshit it's really batshit like, I can't actually recommend it but like I do can I as I want to mention I want to end on the epilogue the way the book does because it's yeah. so great so they like revisit all the couples who have formed over the past two years and they're also virile all of whom like, already have children or are pregnant all of them all of them every single one of them and then what do they do they initiate Giles Chillingworth into the clan. So now why unclear? Because like it's not like he appeared in this book at all. So it's mm-hmm. literally just Stephanie Lawrence being like, shit, Simon's too young. If I don't want to skip forward in time, I need to add someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they initiate Giles Chillingsworth into the clan. And then he's like, Don't worry, I'm not gonna be like any of you guys and fall in love. I like you. You can't bestow the sinister curse upon me just by saying it. We're like, sorry, Giles, it's done. So I kind of like, I like, like I, I actually really loved this epilogue because it, it like encapsulates the batshittery of the sinister. So if you have read the six books, like this epilogue is, it's so stupid that I like, I love it. It's the perfect. I also love that she had to squeeze Honoria and Devil. Mm-hmm. having a quickie in the middle of the family reunion into the epilogue for sure they they had to it had to be there so uh, so I, I do love the epilogue i do love the end of the book it's it's, a, it's quite tied up with a bow so thank you as always so much for listening we hope that if you enjoyed the episode or the podcast really that you would rate review and subscribe